Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Servants, be obedient to them, to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. <clears throat> with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the, the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Amen. All right, once again, praise the Lord for your presence this morning. We are thankful that He has taken such good care of you as He has of me. I know that He has. I can tell that you're blessed. And all praise, honor, and glory goes to our Savior, doesn't it? All right. As uh, some of you already know, and some of you have probably guessed, we have been teaching in Ephesians chapter 6 on the whole armor of God. All right. So if you will, turn with me. If you're not still there, Ephesians chapter 6. And in verse 10... Ephesians chapter 16, we read, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness, spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. All right. That's twice that that's been read. But I want us to get a grip on the fact that our enemies are spiritual. Our enemies are spiritual. It's the exact same enemy that was in the Garden of Eden. He's not changed. He's the original liar. He is the enemy. He uses men and women against Jesus Christ and against those who follow him. So, Paul is giving us a design here, a way here, a plan here to live a life in Jesus and be successful. Well, we know that we're going to be successful because we're in the hand of God and in His plan. We started to begin with at the top, and I said we were going to, and when I say at the top, not at the top of Paul's list, but of the, on the top of the suit of armor. And for those of you who only are hearing this message, I'll tell you, uh, we have a poster up front of a soldier, like a Roman soldier, with the armor on that is described and taught about in this passage of Scripture. All right, we started with the helmet. Now, I know I'm known for going back and and repeating a lot, but I will make this quick this morning, just a a quick recap of where we've been. This is our third uh, lesson on the whole armor of God. We did determine, I did at least, in the beginning, rather than taking it as a whole, we're going to end up taking it as a whole eventually, but to take each piece of armor and study them individually. All right? We started with the helmet of salvation. Uh, I brought up and made notice of the fact that this helmet shown on our poster here would be hard to look out of the side of. You'd purposely have to turn your head to look to the side. Now, the point of that uh, that I made was We are to keep our eyes forward with Jesus Christ at the end of the path that we're walking on. We are. Constantly and every day, we are pulled to the side, and we do turn our head and look at things and become involved in things that are not Christ-centered, don't we? I brought up the fact of the sower and the seed that Jesus taught about. There were seed that were sown by the wayside. They didn't survive. Why? Because they were out of the way of the good soil. And so that typical Jesus Christ of the fact that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay. Now, uh, in the 17th verse... Move down to the 17th verse. We took a look at a word here. 
And that word is a simple word. And take the helmet of salvation. And that word take is deco omahe. Okay, I know that's not right. However, this word has been determined 52 times to mean receive. Been translated 52 times as receive, four times as take. I want us to notice that when God saves us, we receive this knowledge of Him that comes with power and this helmet of salvation spiritually is put upon our lives. Alright? And we are protected. We receive it from Him. When we're saved, we receive this helmet of salvation. This helmet of salvation protects something, doesn't it? What does it protect? The very place where this battle, this spiritual battle is going on every day. And if you're attempting to follow Jesus Christ in your life, you know about the battle. And it's constant, isn't it? He doesn't sleep. The enemy doesn't sleep, does he? No. He knows our weaknesses, doesn't he? The helmet of salvation protects our mind. And so we went into uh, that. We looked at it a little bit. We saw in Philippians 2, 5 that we have the mind of Jesus Christ within or in us. In 2 Corinthians 2, 16... For who hath known the mind of the Lord, we read, that he may instruct him. And of course we pointed out, no one. He is the creator of all things. But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? Well, when he saves us, he puts this protection around our minds because the enemy is there. That's the point that He uh, attacks us. Not the only place. On a regular basis is in our minds. The things that we see, the things that we become a part of that do not honor Jesus Christ, that do not keep our scope and our sights on Him, He elevates, doesn't He? He makes these things seem and look so attractive that it's real easy to be attracted to them, to give in to this natural fallen nature that has an affinity toward these sinful things. But I want you to know that you have a helmet of salvation that God has designed and made to fit your head. In your mind. He's that in control. We are individual children of His. Not just a group of children, but we have an individual relationship with Him. In other words, He knows your thoughts. He really does. A lot of times I hope He doesn't. But He does. He always does. He always knows our thoughts. And He's always able to protect us from these attacks from the enemy.
All right. We looked at how the Lord dealt with temptation. We deal with temptation every day, every one of us. What I was just talking about, whether it's things that you see on TV, it's things that you hear on the radio, it's things that you see in other people's lives or in their walk or in their comments. All these things have an influence if we allow them to, don't they? They do, and they will if we allow them to. All right. We're going to move a little further now. Here in verse 17, Paul says to the church at Ephesus, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We are going to notice as we go through this study that every one of the items, the pieces of this armor that God has designed and made to fit you, I don't want us to forget that, He knows your mind. He knows my mind. He knows how to protect me personally because of the weaknesses I have, the weaknesses you have. He has designed this helmet of salvation specifically for you. We're going to notice that every one of these pieces are bound together. They all work together. We're going to notice that each one of these pieces of armor is divinely joined together and they operate together to accomplish the promise that God has given us. A lot of times we we wonder over in Romans chapter 8, all things, Lord... All things work for my good. I do love you. How do all things work for my good? Okay, I'm sorry, Lord. I don't need to know. As long as you know. All things work together for our good. Even the trials. Even the temptations. Even the sicknesses. Even the pain. And we all go through it. But if we keep our eyes on the Lord, each of these things that we go through are designed and the purpose is fulfilled by God to draw us closer to Him. And to realize that self-dependence is worthless. causes us to realize that we have to depend on Him. There is none other by which we must be saved. Only in the name of Jesus. All right. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Now turn with me to Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. So Paul says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And that it goes along with the helmet of salvation. Alright? This helmet 
was applied when God quickened your heart and He saved you and He gave you a knowledge of Him. I know I've said that already. But this enlightenment, it couldn't have come from anywhere else because He's the source of life. And that's what it is. When He quickens you, He makes you spiritually alive. Where before you were separated from Him or spiritually dead. All right. But along with that hammer of salvation came the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. You see, the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus Christ is what the Spirit of God uses to quicken a dead natural heart. The two go together, don't they? Absolutely. The helmet's protecting the mind. The mind receives the Word of God through the application of the Spirit of God. He shows us ourselves. It's an ugly sight. But then He shows us Jesus Christ. And He imputes to us, get this, the righteousness that Jesus Christ lived out in His 33 and a half years. Why? Because He voluntarily gave it up for you and for me. You see, His blood was applied to us because our blood wasn't worthy. He knew no sin. Okay. 2 Timothy chapter 3. In verse 11. 2 Timothy 3.11 says, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, we just talked about persecution, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. What happens when the Lord delivers us out of persecution? Strength. Strength. He strengthens us through these things, doesn't he? Verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. We see that today, don't we? Everywhere we look. Everywhere we look. Yes, brothers and sisters, we are in the last days. I truly believe that. Verse 14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Do you know that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life and He gave that perfect life up for you? Do you know that in your heart? That He hung on that cross with your sins on Him? If you do, Recognize this morning that that enlightenment, in other words, it was like knowledge was like a bright light that came into a dark place and lit up the room of your heart. If you know in your mind, your heart today, that Jesus Christ died on a cross for you, where'd you learn that from? You learned it from God, didn't you? Absolutely. It was the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. So, Paul says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We are assured, aren't we, 
by God's promises that our sin has been put as far as east is from the west by the only person in all of eternity and time who was qualified to pay the price for us. Why? Because he loved us. All right. Because we know of whom we have learned these things, then we have assurance. God's promises are all true. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Not from us following the Holy Scriptures, are we saved? But our following the Holy Scriptures follows us being saved, doesn't it? Because we didn't know, we didn't realize, we didn't believe that Jesus actually died for me. You know, maybe some of the high ups in some of the big churches, but not for me. But you see, God showed us that he died for us. Us, personally, again I say. Through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, what's the Scripture? It's the sword of the Spirit that goes along with the helmet of salvation. That's the Word of God. Yes, God spoke. And the world melted. His word is powerful. Even his written word here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It came from him. This book is right. All the ideas, all the plans of man are wrong. Unless they line up with the book of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. People don't like that word doctrine these days, do they? It's a teaching of the book. It's God's way, isn't it? It is. Now, the sword of the Spirit or the Scripture, which is given by inspiration from God, it came from Him. We couldn't have come up with it. No man could have come up with the Scriptures. They're so vast, there's nobody on earth that can even comprehend all of it. All Scripture is given, verse 16, by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Nowadays, uh, mankind wants to decide what's right and what's wrong. Again, the good has become bad, as which was prophesied in Scripture, and the bad has become good in the eyes of mankind. They want to make their own rules. But it is the sword of the Spirit, the Scripture, that is given by God that is profitable for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Are we looking to Jesus Christ? We're looking at righteousness. Are we looking at his life? We're looking at a righteous life. Do we wonder uh, who to be influenced by? You know, that's a big thing. Uh, whether you're a multi-million dollar ball player or, or a politician, everybody's flocked to that person, don't they? They do. 
They worship that person because they think that person is what they would like to have been or would like to be. They have an affinity for glory, don't they? For instruction in righteousness. This book right here is the sword of the Spirit. It's sharp. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, it says. All right, why? Verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. All right. Now, the sword of the Spirit is a defensive weapon. All right. It cuts both ways. Something comes at us from this side, it cuts over there. Something's coming at us from this side or behind, it cuts over there. It's a defensive weapon, but it's also an offensive weapon. This sword of the Spirit, this Scripture inspired by God, by the Holy Spirit, in the minds and even the hands that wrote in men of old of God, is an offensive weapon. Why? Why are we on the offense? Well, we have to be, don't we? Because we were attacked by an enemy. It is a weapon to destroy strongholds of lies, strongholds of errors and falsehoods that are being taught from this book. If you change a little bit of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've ruined it. You've poisoned it. How much poison does it take, even in a large bucket of water, to ruin that bucket of water so that it destroys whoever drinks of it? Not much, is it? No, not much at all. So we have to be strong because we need the Word of God as an offensive weapon to destroy these strongholds of error and falsehoods about God. All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter ten. We'll begin in verse two. Second Corinthians ten two, because this is the second letter of Paul to the church at Corinth. He says, But I beseech you that you may not be bold when I am present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though, verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty. Through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down imaginations. Now here we are. Here's man's idea of what's right and wrong. Here's man's... idea of how they must be saved casting down imaginations that's from the mind of mankind isn't it 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself, exalteth itself <clears throat> against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The Word of God. Again, Jesus Christ, when He was tempted by the tempter, He didn't just keep from being tempted by using the Word of God. No, He didn't just cut down the temptation with a two-edged sword, but He cut down the tempter. The Word of God cuts down the enemy in its truth. Now, if you change it a little bit and you give man the authority and the power to save himself by deciding to accept a God who's dependent on that person, you've poisoned it, haven't you? You have. Casting down all of these imaginations. It's important for us to be in the business of doing this. Casting down man's imaginations of what's right and wrong. The things that God destroy people for in the Bible, even in our nation, are prolific. They're trying to take over. Anything that's against Jesus Christ, people will go for and follow with a vengeance as long as it's not Jesus Christ and Him the Sovereign Savior. Anything. I remember hearing, uh, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Well, that's important to stand for something, but it's a lot more important to stand for what's right. And that's always the Word of God. All right. Now let's take a look at Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 12. Make sure I'm in the right place. Yep, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you, in any of you, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom was grieved forty years, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the 
wilderness. And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The word of God is powerful and wielded by the Spirit of God. All right. Now, turn with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. We won't read it all. It's just a good thing. Very long. All right. Verse 33. Psalm 19, verse 33. 119. Psalm 119, verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall serve it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. His commandments are the sword of the Spirit. His commandments are the Word of God. He teaches it to us. He shows it to us. He gives us the faith that we have in His Word. Incline my heart unto thy testimony, verse 36, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to to thy fear. Oh, we want understanding and wisdom and discernment discernment in God's Word, don't we? Do we ask for it? The psalmist did. Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproaches me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgment. So shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. You've heard the saying that God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, God said it, and it's settled forever in heaven. Whether we believe it or not does not affect the truth. The psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, is thy word settled in heaven. All right. We're going to continue to look at this so great a salvation that God has wrought in us by his power. We will continue to look 
at the direction that he's given us in his word, the sword of the spirit, to live like him. The protection. Oh, we need it, don't we? When we realize that our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they are wickedness in high places. But we can have confidence by God's promise that as we listen to His Word, as we trust Him enough to obey Him and to apply or put on the whole armor of God, we are successful. And I think we're successful every day that we put Him first and put on the whole armor of God. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we are putting on the salvation in our lives. In other words, we're living it. It's really us. We're seeking Him because we love Him. We love Him because He first loved us. He's a great Savior. I hope you trust in Him this morning and nothing else for your salvation. The name of Jesus Christ is the only name by which we must be saved. And today is the day of salvation. Oh, He's a great Savior.